Every speaker has a story to tell and something to share. How they got started, why they chose the specific niche, and the lessons they've learned along the way. Join me, Charles Schwen, as I interview professional members about their personal journey in the professional speaking world and how PSA SA played a part in their career growth. I think the Founders Award, um, it, it, because that's a, a notification from the industry of my contribution to the industry. I'm a very, very strong supporter of the Professional Speakers Association and been a member of Adam. Um, so, and I'm, I'm, I'm very much involved still, very much involved in it. Um, and uh, helping other people grow their speaking business is what the PSASA is all about. And the Founders Award was is given to those people who have made really serious contributions uh, to the industry. And I think that's, uh, I'm, I'm probably most proud of that. Today, we have a guest that's got many, many stories. His name is Richard Mulvey. Richard Mulvey has been in the industry for over 20 years. He's an international sales guru. He's the past president of the PSA. And he's one of the few people that are in the Speakers Hall of Fame. Welcome to the show, Richard. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Richard, I want to start with something that I was fascinated about. Like I said, you're the only, you're the second person that I know that's ever, ever worked for the Queen in the Buckingham Palace. Tell me, how did that start? How old were you back then? Oh, it was a long time ago now. Um, I was uh, in the hotel industry as a very young man, went to hotel school. Um, and after leaving uh, high school, I went to hotel school and uh, for, ended up with letters after my name, which uh, suggests I'd be a good hotel manager. And then looking for something to do, I, um, uh, I saw an advert actually for uh, staff at uh, Buckingham Palace. So mm -hmm. uh, I just responded to the advert and uh, I was well overqualified for the job, but I got the job and I was thrilled to be able to do it. Wow. Did you, I, I know like me, meeting the, 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 the queen and there's the certain, I think there's certain uh, customs that you you can or cannot do i think you they, they you don't speak to them unless they speak to you first or you have to bow is that or is this from because i i know this from watching tv so tell me i'm wrong yeah. <laughs> look behind the scenes it's very different um okay. and uh, i never actually met the queen but there are 600 people staff working in buckingham palace at the time mm -hmm. um and that excluded security and the wow. army so um yeah it was a lot of footmen under footmen and the whole process, like Downton Abbey uh, mm -hmm. on steroids. Um, where, where we really got uh, exciting was when uh, um, the Queen would uh, uh, go to Windsor Castle at the weekends. Mm -hmm. Not many people know this, but in those days, she would take a family up to Windsor Castle, the three children and uh, hubby and her, and she would take with her a very small contingent of staff. And I, I look forward to that because that was the time that you... Uh, uh, that you got to bump into the children at the time running around, you know. Um, so I was young uh, then and I'm old now. So this is many, many years ago. Sure. Look, you know, and uh, like out of all the things that you have accomplished, like being the, the national president, being the Speaker's Hall of Fame, um, being an international sales guru, which, which, which title are you most proud of and why? I think the Founders Award, um, it, it, because that's uh, a notification from the industry of my contribution to the industry. Mm -hmm. I'm a very, very strong supporter of the Professional Speakers Association. I've been a member, a founder member. Um, so, and I'm, I'm, I'm very much involved still, very much involved in it. 
um, and uh, helping other people grow their speaking business is what the PSASA is all about. And the Founders Award was, uh, is given to those people who have made really serious contributions uh, to the industry. And I think that's, uh, I'm, I'm probably most proud of that. Okay, I'll, I want to come back to that, but let's just take a step back in the, the, I want to know a little bit about your background in terms of you have been in the sales game for a very, very long time. I mean, when did you, because you say you studied the hotel management. So how yeah. did that morph into selling? And when did you realize, wait a minute, I actually want to make a career out of it? Yeah, look, uh, you know, after hotel school for three years, and in those, those, that age, you're not quite sure what you want to do. Uh, so I worked for uh, five-star hotels for a couple of years and then uh, actually worked in a restaurant uh, called Ghana's Steakhouse in London. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the first part of the training with Ghana's Steakhouse wasn't, um, wasn't how to serve food. It was all about how to sell. Um, so that uh, you start to, you, when you talk to the customers, you don't simply offer dessert, you offer, uh, would you like a creme brulee or uh, would you like strawberries freshly thrown in from Israel? So um, we, you know, you don't, uh, <clears throat> you don't offer any old wine, you offer really good wine. So it was all about selling. Mm -hmm. And so I learned then that I could make a lot more money as in selling than I could in hotels. And, and that's around the age 22, 23, I moved into selling and I've been selling ever since. Mm. Now, of course, I don't sell product or service, I sell ideas. Mm. Um, and the skills though to sell are exactly the same whether you're on stage, stage selling an idea or whether you're uh, uh, selling a product or a service to a customer, the skills are the same. Mm. So you mentioned something quite interesting. You said that the hotel, sorry, the restaurant taught you or the, the idea is to, to sell not just dessert, but be specific, a cream belay, for example. So you were very right. specific to say, instead of having a cup of coffee, you may, might offer them something specific that costs at a premium price. So would you yes. say that's one of the lessons that you learned that, I mean, if you're gonna be selling, you will only have X amount of hours per day to sell, so you might as well make as much money as you can. Well, it's not just about the money. Uh, people are always happier if they spend a little bit more. I know that's, uh, that uh, doesn't sound accurate, but it's true. People are much happier spending a little bit more and getting much more for it. Mm. Um, so an ordinary cup of coffee, for instance, is an ordinary cup of coffee. Um, but the, nowadays, um, there's such a wide range of coffees and each of them are more expensive than just an ordinary cup of coffee. But people are very proud to buy... Um, one or other of the cappuccino or something else. Mm. Uh, the content is very much the same, but the end result in terms of customer happiness is very different. And so people don't mind spending more as long as they consider they're getting good value. And, and, and really that's what it's all about. It's all about making sure the customers go away very happy. Okay. And, and tell me something. So, I mean, I want to know like back then, I suppose like these days, there's so many sales courses. You can learn uh, digital marketing. You can learn how to sell a specific niche or, you know, it's the, the, the industry has evolved so much. So back then, where did you get your information from? And are there, were there any sales guru that you, you bought books from, you did the course or you met them in person? How did you gain your knowledge over the years? Yeah, uh, there are in those days, yeah, there, was, there were sales books. Uh, Ogmandino, of course, stands out uh, when I was a young man. Um, but um, for the most part, you learn it by trial and error. 
you keep yeah. doing things wrong until you get and do it right. Um, and, um, you know, it's, quite frankly, we still do the same thing. There are hundreds, thousands, millions probably of places where you can learn selling skills. Uh, and very many of them are contradictory. So you, you keep trying things until you get something that w really works for you and then you stick to it. Okay, so what would you say is your specific niche? Because sales is different. Uh, I know, like on your in your course, for example, uh, you you teach people how to book an appointment, for example, how to sell over the phone. I mean, which part would you say you enjoy training the most? Would you say it's from booking appointments, closing the deal, how to become a, a value consultant? Which parts of the sales process are you most excited about? You know. Uh, <laughs> I'm an entertainer as well as being a sales trainer. So um, if, my, if the people in my audiences aren't enjoying what I'm uh, sharing with them, then I'm not doing my job properly. Um, and so with the skills themselves, uh, look, I teach stuff that you can pick up anywhere on the internet. Okay. Um, and so, uh, and, and, and frankly, out of the three or 400 video clips uh, you can see of mine, on my video channel, on YouTube channel. Um, most of what I'm going to tell people on my virtual training nowadays, um, you can pick up there if you want to. That's not the point. The point is how it's delivered, how the inter interaction goes, how you get feedback from the people you're sharing skills with, how they ask questions and how you can solve their problems and motivate them to uh, implement the skills. That's what I excel at. Okay. Um, so the, the actual skills themselves, um, th there's plenty of people out there doing that. And so one, as a sales trainer, one has to uh, make yourself unique. Why should people come to me as opposed to anybody else? And the uniqueness, I think, is the way in which it's delivered. Okay. And then when it comes to the, I mean, you, if I remember correctly, you've trained more than, I think, what, 20,000 people over the years. Is that, is that correct? Plus minus? <laughs> 250 plus 1,000. Oh, wow. Okay, sorry. One zero missing. Okay, so given <laughs> that amount, as, that's an astronomical number. I want to find out from you, like, because I've, I've heard this debate plenty of times. Do you feel like salespeople are born, number one? And number two, can everybody learn how to sell? Okay, let me take the second one first. Yeah. Uh, this is the uh, nature-nurture conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, and yes, I can teach anybody the skills to sell, uh, but not everybody makes a great salesperson. You have to really want to do it. And if you're applying a set of skills grudgingly, then you're not going to sell very well. So uh, the, I can teach you the skills. Um, it is a matter of how you feel about those skills and when you want to implement them. And the, the thing that people get confused about selling, people very often say to me, oh, I hate salespeople. I don't want to sell. No. Every day you have a conversation with a friend or a partner, um, you want to get an idea across, you're selling yes, it. Exactly. You're selling the ideas to them. And the same skills apply. The real element here is when the uh, customers or the audience don't know they've been sold to, mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the speaker uses a set of skills that um, the, it's just conversational, but the specific words and the way in which they're put together make a big difference to the end result or whether the customer buys or doesn't buy. I just, I just had, a, had a thought in my head now. So you most likely, like, like everybody else, get telesales people phoning you. Yes. Have you bought anything from telesales people? <laughs> Some of them are very bad. Yes. Some of them are not bad at all. 
if one, give me, give me one good one. Because I haven't met one good one yet. So please share a good story. I, I, I have not bought because they just, uh, they, they really need somebody like you to train them. But give me a good one. The, the last one that yeah, you can remember. All right. There's, there's a few things that I do. Firstly, when, um, if a telesalesperson rings me, um, and uh, I generally don't talk for very long. Um, but what I very often do is point out the mistake they're making. I would say, for instance, now you can't read the script mm. to the customer. You've got to memorize that script, put it away, and then become flexible within Conversational. the Conversational, yes. Conversational, absolutely right. Mm. Uh, if one dug around, there's a blog post of mine from three or four years ago where um, I explain exactly how people should be selling over the phone. Um, and, uh, and, and it is conversational, it is interactional, it's not just simply blurting out. However, we should get this very clear, the reason why you get phone calls from people selling over the phone is because it works. Um, and they can make, uh, they're in a cubicle in this big auditorium where there's probably another 150 people there selling over the phone. Um, they, they are charged to make over 100, 100 phone calls a day. They get a 2 or 3% strike rate. And economically, that actually works. And so you will continue to get them um, because it works. What I'm horrified about is the computer conversation where you get a phone call and it's actually a computer. Oh, yeah, voice talk. recorder. It's like a voice recorder. Absolutely. And now they can make uh, um, a thousand phone calls at a time. And they don't um, get offended. Well, <laughs> I, I normally just hang out with those people. Yeah. Just to share with you one example of this. Um, I, had, uh, I had a phone call from obviously a young lady on the phone trying to sell me something. And, um, and I said to her, um, no, 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 you're not doing it right. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, it's my first day. So, wow. so I said, okay, okay, this is what to do. So I said, is your supervisor listening? She said, yes. I said, okay, a little bit of training. This is how you do it. Memorize the script um, and, uh, and, and, and be interactive. And then a week later, she rings me back and she tries it again. I said, that's getting better. Now try doing this and that. And for four weeks in a row, she rang me and practiced on me. Uh, and then eventually she stopped ringing me. I didn't buy from her. Uh, but we had quite a good relationship and she was, uh, and that's my job is to help people along if I can. Wow. That's, that is a really, really cool story and, and respect for the lady that actually listens. Cause the same thing happens to me. I, I, sometimes I just feel like they don't care. They just want to go to the next one. Then those people that are reading script, you most likely won't be in the industry for very long because your conversion ratio is going to be very, very low. Sure. So I want to turn the conversation about the, the PSAS you mentioned that you're one of the founding members. Now, why did you decide to, to do it? What, what was the big idea behind it? <laughs> All right. Now, I joined soon after the big idea was put into fruition. So I wasn't one of the big idea guys. Mm -hmm. But I was approached by, uh, very early on by, by a friend who said, Cameron Richard, you must join the PSASA. Now, I'm not a joiner. I don't go out with the lads on Friday night to have a drink. It's, this is not my style. I'm not a, uh, an association guy. So I said, look, I'll join, but don't expect me to participate. Um, so I joined and then, well, then I got swept away with the whole thing. Um, and, uh, <laughs> How so did they I do it? How did they sell to you, Richard? How? <laughs> well, <laughs> it, there was a need and I kind of filled the gap. Uh -huh. um, and look, 
I, I kind of in even in industry when I was industry in industry I floated I floated to the top very quickly mm-hmm. um, and um, I always get involved and uh, I kind of I tend to be a leader rather than a follower mm-hmm. um, so when I started to go to meetings I could see things weren't going so well um, and the meetings were very small I think in the Durban chapter where I was living there were just three of us initially mm-hmm. um, and then I became president and uh, at the Durban chapter and then we, uh, I left Durban and went to Cape Town, uh, but when I was president, there were 30 members in Durban. Then we came to Cape Town, there were very few members, um, and, uh, and that's grown dramatically. I was also uh, president of the Cape chapter, um, and twice, past, twice president of nationally, um, and now I'm the treasurer. So I kind of continue to be involved. I also run a number of conventions, I think five or six, and the Global Speakers Summit in Cape Town, which uh, I uh, was the convener of. So, uh, yeah, I get involved. I know it's my own failing, actually. <laughs> All right, so let, let's say if there's somebody out there and say, well, Richard, what you said, your, your life story is really, really cool. I want to get involved in, in, in PSA. And they're mm-hmm. thinking like, you know, how can me as a speaker or just starting out benefit from, from joining the group? What, what do you feel is the, the biggest value the new members will get? Well, the, the whole process of the Professional Speakers Association is to help uh, members grow their speaking business. We focus mm. on the speaking business and expect when people join uh, that they're really keen to grow that business. And it's a tough industry to be in. Um, I've been uh, in the industry for 26 years. And it's a very tough industry to be in. And it took me a year or two before I was making a living, even a reasonable living, mm. um, or actually anything at all, got to think of it. Um, so it really is tough. Um, but what we do in the Professional Speakers Association is help people through that. Um, so they may start as an associate member, for instance, and they haven't got their business going yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, after a year or two, we will guide them through with the masterminds, with the speaker classes, with regular meetings, with a midterm convention, which we've just had, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. Then uh, the uh, convention coming up next year in April on the 16th, the 18th, um, we have an annual convention every year. We have people from all over the world coming to that event. Um, so it's really exposing people who very often are lonely because you know what? This Lonely. Industry. That's a new yeah, one. Absolutely okay. not at all. You know, this industry, it, you end up on your own. Um, you know, your partner probably doesn't understand what you're in. You may have started uh, in the speaking business, but you're not making lots of money. You still have to feed the children. Um, and it's not like working for a corporate company where you can bounce ideas off your boss or your colleagues. Yeah. Um, you're sitting probably very often on your own in your home office wondering what to do next and we fill that gap in the professional speakers association it is a very very lonely business to start with if you don't know where to get help it's very lonely Mm. no i i have to agree with you 100 percent especially the 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 loneliness part because not them actually i mean besides the the professional speakers group i don't have that many personal friends that are that, that do this for a living so they, yeah. don't, they don't actually understand. They think you just get on stage and then you get paid for speaking. But like you said, it's a very, very tough industry. So in your view, do you think it's tough because there's, there's too many people that are trying to be in it? Or do you feel like it's harder to find really fresh ideas because there's nothing new under the sun? Why is it hard to stand out? No, no, no. There's plenty of ideas out there. 
Um, and it's not just the idea itself, as I said earlier on, it's, it's your uh, way of delivering that idea yeah. that makes you different. Yeah. So you've got to be unique. Um, you've got to get focused. You've got to have a, a very narrow niche. We talk about a niche being an inch wide and a mile deep. Um, so you are the go-to person for that information. Um, so um, it's not about the content. It's all about delivery. Of course, you've got to deliver the content, but the content itself you can get anywhere. Yes. It's how you deliver that content in such a way that it's memorable and the people in the room are convinced by what you have to say and they make a difference. They change. They do something different after you have spoken to them. Yeah. Uh, that's the key element here. And there are many ways of doing it, of course. But keynote speaking is kind of the pointed end of our industry. Yeah. Um, but uh, I very often tell people that you, you speak for show, but you train for dough. Uh, because, um, you know, if I put 20 people in a room in a public course, I'm earning a lot more per day than I would be for doing a keynote speech. Now, I know there are some really good keynoters out there earning 100,000 or more. Uh, but they're uh, very, fine to be, very fine for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. For the most of us, um, what we're doing is, um, well, at least what I do is I do much more training than I do keynoting. Mm. Um, and, um, and, and that's where most of my income comes from. Okay. And, uh, last two questions before we wrap up, I want to find out, I mean, out of all the years, the 20 odd years, two questions, right? This is from number one is from, from sales. Number two is from PSA. So what was the best or worst advice you ever received from a sales perspective? And what was the best and worst advice you received from somebody in a PSA? All right, as a salesperson, mm. uh, my best advice probably was from a guy by the name of Brian when I first got into selling. Okay. Brian was my mentor. I was 22, he was what, 38, I suppose, something like that. And uh, he said to me, there are three things you need to do in selling. He said, you've got to know your stuff, know who you're stuffing, <laughs> and then stuff them. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> And it's absolutely true. That's uh -huh. product knowledge, yeah. customer knowledge, and then setting skills in order to stuff them. Uh, so, <laughs> um, my worst advice was from another salesperson who said to me, I'll just keep talking. They'll eventually buy from you. And, oh, wow. and my best skill as a is that person is that, is that person still in the game? No, I have no idea. Years and years ago, and he's probably dead now. Um, okay. Wow, that, that is really bad advice. Okay, and then from a PSA, from a professional speaker's perspective. Okay, uh, best, best advice is to uh, narrow your niche. Um, there are far too many generalists out there, um, and I guess I'm one of those generalists. So if I was to do my business again, um, if I was to start again from scratch, and bear in mind, 26 years ago when I started, there was no PSA, there was no help. You mm. just had to get on with it on your own, yeah. make the mistakes and then learn from those. Mm. So if I was restarting my business from scratch, I would get much more focused on a particular niche. There's a, 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 a speaker in America who talks uh, just to firemen and he just talks about the first 30 seconds um, in, once you arrive at a fire and that's his niche. Oh, wow. um, and nobody else talks about that 30 seconds, but he has created a fantastic international business out of talking about 
what to do in those first 30 seconds when a fireman arrives at a fire. Um, now that is fine tuning your niche. Mm. And um, once you do that, then nobody else is going to do it. You've got no competition. If the audience want that, that's what you've got. So you write your own check. Mm. Um, that, sorry, I want to know that the, the first 30 seconds, what, what is the, what are those things? I have no idea. Yeah, if I if I knew that, I'd be making as much money as he does. <laughs> sure. But, uh, it, you look it up on Google. You'll find yeah, the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. And uh, and Richard, if if somebody listening out there say, look, you know what? I need help from sales. I my sales is like stagnating, or I don't have the confidence. I know I'm good at it. I just don't have the confidence, and they want to reach out to you. Where is the best? place to reach out to you well you can go to my website of course richardmulvey.com mm -hmm. um but email me um i'm very happy to receive emails from anybody and uh, if you want advice how can i sell what can i do email me a problem and i'd be very happy to reply and uh, i can't I, I can't promise you a 24-hour turnaround but i get to my emails as quickly as i can and my email address is richard at richardmulvey.com very simple. Excellent. Richard, thank you again so much for your time. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Charles. Great to chat.